Open your Bibles to Psalm 16. You know, I was, uh, I woke up, oh, it's been a week or two ago, maybe, and uh, I was I was thinking about the presence of the Lord. And I was thinking, I would not want to be outside the presence of the Lord. I would not want to be away from the presence of the Lord. And I would not want to be where I felt like I was not in the presence of the Lord. And you know, all my life, I've had that desire in me. God showed me this. He started showing me this when I was a little kid. No matter what, I needed to know God was close to me. I slept with my Bible. I listened to CDs. I listened to Brother Copeland's CDs when I was 10 and 11 years old. Right? And, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, it wasn't to learn what he was saying. It was because in those messages, in that word, was the presence of God and was the peace of God. In that book, in that Bible, that, that was the answers of God. That, I slept with it not because, not because I knew everything that was in it. I hadn't even read it all. I was 8, 9, 10 years old. But sleeping with that Bible, I knew that was His Word and His very presence dwelt within there. And, and it excited me. And, and as, I, as I sought Him on His presence and on the things, I said, I, said, I, I can't describe your presence. And He said, he said What did you dream last night? And I, I said, I don't remember, Lord, because I really remember my dreams. But He said, You do remember this. Were you Kim's husband in that dream? Was she your wife? And I said, yeah. And he said, were you Ramsey's dad in that dream? And I said, yeah. And he said, were you my child in that dream? And I said, yeah, I was me. And he said, that's my presence. He said, just like your wife is always your wife, she's always present with you. Whether, whether you're by her, whether you're away from her, whether, no matter where you are, Kim is ever-present with you. She's a part of you, and she's ever-present. Ramsey is a part of you, and you are a part of me. God's saying that to me. He's saying this to my spirit. He said, I'm ever-present with you. There's not a day of your life that goes by that you are not in my presence, and that I am not there watching over you. I mean, what's he say? He knows the number of hairs on your head. I guess even when they get less. Right? God's keeping track of me. That's how much He loves us. That, that's how much He cares about what's going on in our lives. God's keeping track of me. When I was, when I, as I was growing up, as I was doing stupid things, as I got out doing things on my own, not thinking about God, He was still with me. When I went home, you know what I thought about? Oh man, what did I do? That sin, it'll separate me from God. It'll keep me. But He didn't leave me. He never left me. It didn't matter what I had done. He was right there waiting on me all the time. His presence never deserted me. And He was always my God. No matter... And you know, and even as I got a little older, kept doing more stupid things. <laughs> Fact is, I would get... To, you know, And I don't know if anybody else has done this, but I got to a point where I would say the, the most scary place in my life was when I didn't recognize... The presence of God. Right? It wasn't, it wasn't that it wasn't there. I gave it no recognition. In other words, I got so far out on my own that I no longer looked or thought about what He was doing. You know, before, it didn't matter what I was doing, 
I always thought about him. I always considered him. I, I, I may not have went his way, but I considered him. And when I got back, man, I'm, I'm, I was the best repenter. I was the best ask forgiveness. And I was down. Man, I'd get home and get in my bed and say, Oh, Lord, I did it again for the 1,349th time. Please forgive me, Lord. And you know what? He did. He did. He forgave me. You know, I, of the presence of God is the love of God. And the more we believe, excuse me, the more we believe in that love, the more we experience that presence. Right? Not because the more is there or less is there. It's the more we know about the love of God. It's the more we know about God. Amen? We should desire. You know, I know people don't like to say, I need, I long. I... But yeah, you need God. You should desire God. You should long to have more of God. Amen? You should. You should. Because if you do, you'll have it. Right? It's not, it's not, you don't have to see, you don't have to desire it and long after it because you might not get it. You seek it, desire it, and long after it, you will have it. Amen? It's, 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 you should crave everything about Him. When you wake up in the morning, when I wake up in the morning, we should crave what He wants for us that day because what He wants is in His presence. What He wants is what He's planned. What He wants is best for us and best for others. Amen? And we should desire the presence of God more than anything. And we should desire the things of God and to know Him more every day. Amen? Psalm 16, verse 11. In the King James Version. It says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. Glory to God. He shows us where to go. Then, where we go is in His presence, and we get to be happy. It doesn't matter where you're going, you're in His presence. And in His presence is fullness of joy. So people say, well, what if i got to go here? What if i got to go... It doesn't matter where you go. If it's in His presence, there's fullness of joy. Amen? It's His presence that we don't get away from. Because in His presence is fullness of joy. And at His right hand, at the, at the Father's right hand, who's at the Father's right hand? Jesus. Pleasures forevermore. Glory to God. That's good news, guys. If we didn't say anything else tonight, He shows you where to go, and in His presence, if you're going where He shows you... Now, how many have not went where He showed you? Yeah, I, I've, been where, I've been not where He showed me. I've been to Notland. It's not a great place. And there's not pleasures, and there's not fullness of joy. Right? But in His presence, where He tells me to go, there's fullness of joy. There's peace. There's answers. Right? He's a good God. And His plan for goodness doesn't change. Let's look at this in the uh, complete English version. We got the complete English version? You have shown me the path to life. 
you make me glad by being near me. You know I read that? Because that makes God real right there. You, you make me glad just because you're around me. Just because I get to be around you, God. Dad, you're around me. You just make me happy because you're around me. Man, just knowing you're here, Father, makes me happy every day. Sitting at your right side, I will always be joyful. See, you know, some of the, you know, King James, I'm sure he knew what he was saying. But ain't too many people in, in the Ozarks know what King James is saying. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure King James was a great guy. I know he was. He took the time to completely put the Bible together in somewhat English. Just wasn't southern Missouri and northern Arkansas English. But this makes him real. God, it just makes me happy to know you're near me. And see, this is something we need to know, though. There's too many people today that don't know God's near them. Christians. Christians that think God distances himself from them. God never distances himself from his kids. You know, his kids have tried to distance themselves from him. And he still won't let that happen. Right? People say, oh, no, you can get away from God. No. You cannot get away from God. You can try to get away from God. You can try to do the things that, are, that God wouldn't want you to. And He'll go right there with you. And He'll not like it. But He'll be there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Right? That's a good God. That's the good God that we serve. And it makes us happy just being near Him. Amen? Our desire should not just be to have His presence, but to be in His presence and to, from everything that works through us, to be out of His presence. Because His presence is love. Amen. He is love, and so His presence is love. And, and if, if we abide in His presence, we abide in love. If we do what He says, we do what love says. We do what love would do. That's why you want to know God more. It's not enough just to be saved. You want to know Him more. Because knowing Him more puts you at a place that you will want to be. It gives you ability to love beyond your, your highest expectations. You can walk in love towards somebody that did the most hateful thing in the world to you because of God. You can experience love when you didn't think you'd ever be able to experience it again. You, it didn't matter how bad you got hurt. Our Father can fix it. Amen? Our Father heals the broken heart. Right? Our Father is the Father. And the Father of love. Amen? Glory to God. I remember listening to those tapes. I remember coming home. And man, I was a mess. I'll be honest with you. I'd come home drunk. Man, I'd put Kenneth Copeland in there and listen to him all night long. Dad, did I do it? Yeah, my dad's back there. He knows I did. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? The Lord was gracious to me. He let me keep that. One day when I woke up, it was there. We serve a good God.
We need to know more about this God because the more we know, the more we enjoy and the value of His presence exceeds from us. Does that make sense? Glory to God. We will know Him more. We will know Him more. What, what is this presence? What, what, what's so great about this presence? Well, I don't know, but let's look at Genesis 4.13. It was so great that Cain didn't want to get, get outside of it. After he killed his brother, God said, you've got to go. Cain said to the Lord, his punishment's greater than I can bear. Next verse. Behold, you've driven me out from this day, from the face of the earth, and from your face. What's the NIV say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be hidden from your presence. The greatest, one of the greatest things that Cain didn't want to be, out of all the things he could have said, yeah. you know, I don't want to leave this great land. I don't want to leave mama and daddy. I don't want to, no, I don't want to leave your presence. This is a guy that just killed his brother, and he, he still knew there was some goodness in God. Because he's still saying, Lord, please. But there's nothing God could do at this point. People say, oh, he could do anything. No. No, there's nothing he could do at this point. Cain was told, right? Was Cain not told? The, the enemy's right outside your door. He said, sin awaits you. Don't do this. Right? <laughs> Don't get quiet on me. All I was trying to, all, the only point I was trying to make is that Cain didn't want to be without the presence of God, okay? We won't talk about Cain anymore. <laughs> I ain't got no Cains in here, do I? Okay. No, we, we won't talk about Cain anymore. I know that's a little bit of a sad story. Right? So we'll stay away from Cain. But Cain didn't want to be, his, one of his greatest fears, if you will, was not to have the presence of God. Amen? Let's see, let's see, what, a, let's see what a man of God thought about it. Let's look at Moses. Look at Exodus 33, verse 13. Start in verse 13. Let's look at the NIV so we can just read it and we don't have to interpret it with English. Yeah. This is, this is what I like about Moses. And I, and, I mean, if you want to study somebody, Moses is a good man to study. He said, Moses says, if you're pleased with me, Teach me your ways. He didn't say, show me your miracles. He didn't say, show me what you can do. He said, teach me who you are. Why? why? He said, so I may know you. Moses had a genuine desire to know God. People say, well, you can't know God. Moses knew Him. We know Him. Right? You can know God. And you can know Him and know Him and know Him and know Him. Because He's eternal and He's infinite. What you know about Him today, you can know more about tomorrow. You can never get tired of knowing God because God is infinite being. The bigger, he, the bigger you get in Him, the bigger He gets. That, that's why grace, that's why your sin can't outdo grace. Because sin will never be as big as God. It'll never be badder than love. Right? Love is bad when it comes to getting rid of sin. Right? The good bad. Don't let me confuse anybody. You know, I was getting hip on you there for a second. Amen? Our God's huge. And, and, and he, he is infinite. And His love 
knows no boundaries towards us. He's not not just love and He sits here and says, Oh, do you want some of me? No, He says, Come and get some of me. (laughs) He says, Let me give you some of me. Amen. He said, you want to know me? Come on. He didn't, it doesn't say, oh, he said, oh, Moses. No, oh, what? You want to know me? Oh, I am the great God Jehovah. No man can know me. No, those are movies. Those, those are junk. That's, that's not right. Not only can you know him, you can experience him daily. Because he's ever present with us. He's, he, we now have the Holy Spirit in us. They only had the Holy Spirit on them. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We experience, we have the comfort of God in us at every moment. There's nothing you go through in your life that you can't have immediate comfort from. All you have to do is ask for it. It's in you. It's your choice. Right? It's in you. But Moses, he said, go back to the verse. Moses said, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. That word favor, of course, is grace in the King James. So, yeah, it's favor, but it's also ability. Right? It's also, I'll give you more, I'll give you what you, uh, I'll give you what you don't deserve. Right? It's, it's, it's a stronger word than just favor. But he says, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this, is your na- your na- this, is, this nation is your people. Verse 14, the Lord rep- replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses asked to know him. And what did God say? He said, my presence will go with you. So what's God going to say when you want to know him more? He said, I'll send my presence. You want to know God more? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And then when you're done getting filled, get filled again. And then when you're done getting filled with that, get filled again. And get more and more and and get filled with the Holy Ghost and stay filled and you'll get the presence of God and you'll get knowledge of of the great Almighty God. Amen? And he said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Verse 15, And Moses said to him, If your presence doesn't go with us, I ain't going. I'm going I'm to give you the Branson hillbilly version of that. If your presence ain't going, I ain't a-going. And that's the way we should be. If it ain't where your presence is, it's not where I want to be. If it's not where you desire, it's, if it's not where your love is, I don't want to be there. If it's not where your power is, I don't want to go. Amen? And that's what Moses said in verse 16. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people in the face of the earth? Verse 17, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you. Now you notice Moses being a meek man mentioned me and your children. And and God said, I'm pleased with you. He didn't mention the children of Israel. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. No, he's doing this because Moses wanted to know him. Amen? It pleases God when we desire his presence. It's not, it's not oh Lord, I need your presence. I, I just need your presence so much, Lord. If you don't give me your presence, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, it's Lord. I just know you're good, and I want more. I want more. Yeah, I know I'm full, but I just, I just like it so much, I want more. 
Amen? It's not somebody going because they're empty. It's somebody going because they like it so much, they want more of it. Amen? It's what gives you the excitement and the fire to go out and evangelize the world. It's what causes you to give to people that you don't know. It's what causes you to tell people about the love of God. It's what causes you to go out and be more than you've ever been. Right? Our desire and our, our hunger for the things of God is not just so we can have nice houses and big cars. It's not just so my body can be healed. It's not just so I can have food in my cabinets. It's because I love Him and I know how good He is. And because He's so good to me, I know He'll be just that good and gooder to you. And I want everyone to know about it. I'm not satisfied with just me knowing. Why? Because I'm still hungry. Right? Doesn't matter how much He lets me do. I want to do more. I don't care what my flesh says either, because sometimes it says, no, you don't, Dave. You want to go home and sit and watch TV. And then the Holy Spirit slash Mrs. Moore calls and says, guess what? We got some stuff to do. And I don't mean she is the Holy Spirit, but she gets right in with him. Amen? And then we go. Amen? And you know what? After it's all said and done, I'm so happy I did. I'm so happy I did. Has anybody ever done something for the Lord and not been happy about it? Anybody in here not been happy with something that they did for the Lord? No. Because you can't do something for the Lord with your heart and be unhappy about it. If you did it for the Lord and you're unhappy, you did it wrong. And you didn't do it for the Lord. Amen? He said, if you're, he said uh, where was I in... Uh, Verse 17, God said, I'll do this very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know your name. Glory to God. How many like to hear God say, I know your name? Well, everybody here can. Everybody here probably has. But back then, that wasn't real common. God talked to Moses and said, not only am I going to do it for you, I'm doing it for you because I know you. He wasn't just saying... He said, I know you because you desired to know me. And see, that's the thing. So many people want God to know them, but they don't want to know anything about God. This is a relationship, not an acquaintance. It's not something you're going to hear on the news. It's something you're going to get from that personal relationship. You can't not spend time with God. There's your double negative for the night. And expect to know Him. Amen? We have to spend time with God. And why would we spend time with God? We hunger after Him. You know, at one point, David said in one of the Psalms, he said, I thirst for you like dry ground thirsts for water. Right? Why would he thirst for God like dry ground? Because God is good. David knew God. And if you know Him, you desire to have more of Him. Amen? Amen? And the more you know about Him and the more you know of Him, the more, right? The more value it gives to who He is. And I don't want to say that in a wrong way, but that's the truth. The more, the more important He becomes in your life and the more, he become, more important He becomes through your life. Amen? It's great for Him to become important to you, but it's better for Him to come and become important through you. Amen? We don't want to be a dam. 
right? We want to let it flow. Glory to God. And he knew Moses' name. So Moses was happy, I imagine, huh? Let's look at somebody else. How about David? Go back to Psalm 51. You might say, well, I like the presence of God, but man, I've messed up. Doesn't matter. Come on back. Come on back. See, people who know how good God is, they're not afraid to come home. Right? You know, it didn't matter how bad I'd messed up. And don't get me wrong, I didn't go out and hurt people. But I did enough stupid things. And I knew they were wrong. Right? But I never was afraid to come back to God. I never was afraid to come back and say, God, I messed up. And David, in this, this is right after he'd messed up with Bathsheba. Yeah, he'd messed up in Psalm 51. And, and he, starts, he starts out by saying, forgive me, Lord. You cleanse me and I'll be clean. Right? Read the whole psalm. I'm not going to go through the whole psalm. But he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be, I'll be clean. He said, you forgive me and I'll be forgiven. Right? And then in verse 10, you know, this is, this is the way you got to be. You don't run away from the presence of the Lord when you've messed up or when you feel bad or when things don't seem to be going right. It's not time to get mad at God. It's not time to get afraid of God. It's a time to run to God. David ran to the Lord. Every time he messed up, when he got mad, he ran back. There was never a time where David spent days away from the Lord. Why? He knew the Lord. He knew He was good. What did he say? He said, you're good and you do good. This is a man that knew who the Lord was. And, and, and he didn't run away from him. He didn't say, oh, I'm just not worthy. Look what I've done. I've went out and I, I had Uriah killed and, and I had sex with his wife. And I, I'll never be back again. I, I've done too many bad things. There, I, I'm going away from the presence of the Lord. I can't get back. No, instead, he runs to him and he says, forgive me. He says, forgive me. He says, you cleanse me and I'll be clean. Go, I'll tell you what, go up, go up to verse 1. We will go through it. It says, have mercy on me. Now, this is a man that's messed up. And David, he says, first thing off, he knows the love of God. He just immediately starts talking about his love. And he says, have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me. And according to your unfailing love, according to your compassion, blot out my transgression. How many know you cannot ask God that and leave with sin? It's not possible. God will not say, oh no, I'm sorry, this is it for you. Okay, forget it. This was too much, David. You planned this sin. This was premeditated sin here. No. Two. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Three, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Four, against you and you alone. You don't have to go tell 85 people about your sin. you got people out there saying, you're going to have to come and confess it to someone. No, you have an advocate with the Father. And that's who you confess your sin to, not men, not a man, not any men. And if they think they need to know, they don't. Amen. And for those who like to hear sob stories and 
sin stories, sorry, you don't need to hear them. Most people aren't as forgiving as God. Right? I asked God one time, I said, well, why shouldn't we just confess our sins to men and, and you know, let them help us? He said, because they can't handle it. They're not as forgiving as me. I'm like, yeah. You don't want to just tell anybody what you've done. You don't just want to tell anybody what's going on in your life. A lot of people can't handle it. They may never forgive you. They may judge you, and then it'll be harder on them than it was on you. On, yeah, I said it right. Right? You don't want people judging you. If you love them, you do not want them judging you. Because if they begin judging you, they are about to be judged. And there ain't nobody here can stand before the judgment seat of God. Right? Don't get quiet on me. We won't talk about judging anymore. Cain, Cain and judgment. Here we go. All right, we're, we're done with Cain. We're done with judgment. Throw those out. Verse 5. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Verse 6. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in, my, in the inmost place. What's he teaching him? He's teaching him to know him. Verse 8. Seven, I'm sorry, cleanse me with hyssop, hyssop, whichever that is, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Did he believe in the power of forgiveness? Did he believe in a good God? Because we got, we got people out there, and they believe God has to have some kind of penance or something. They've got to do something. You've got to go out and do works. You've got to go be nice to people. You've got to do, you know, that's not what you've got to do. You've got to run to the presence of the Lord and receive from the mercy. See, you've got to receive from His compassion. You've got to receive from His love. And then you've got to walk away and be who He made you to be. And that's as simple as that. First, first, go to verse 10 now. Create in me a pure heart. In other words, renew me. Renew me. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The King James says this has a right spirit in me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11. Cast me not away. What David want? He said, no matter what, I don't want to be out of your presence ever. Right? People who know God do not want to be away from Him. Because He's good. And the more you know about Him, the closer you'll want to get. That's why it said in the earlier, the one we read earlier, I'm happy just because you're near me. Because why? They knew Him. They knew who He was. He said, Cast me not away from Your presence, O Lord, and take not Your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of Your salvation and hold me with Thy free spirit. What's, what's David saying? He's saying, You forgive me and I can have all this new. I can be renewed. I can be refreshed. And that's what he's saying. Guys, there's nothing we've done that He won't bring us back from. Yeah. Amen. Amen? It's not time to run away from God. Never run away or try to get away from the presence of God. Run to the presence of God. Run to love. Run to mercy. Run to compassion. Run to those things that help. Don't run away from those things. Those are the things that fix you. People say, well, it's too good to be true. No, it is truth. It's not too good to be true. It is the truth. There is no other truth. If somebody's told you you can be bad enough for God not to love you, they're wrong. I don't even have to see if they can find me scriptures. They're wrong. 
Amen? Don't run away from His presence. Run to His presence. Glory to God. What happens when you run away from His presence? Jonah knows. Look at Jonah. Look at Jonah. Where'd Jonah go? He's somewhere in here. Jonah, chapter 2. Well, if you really, if you look at it in chapter 1, what did Jonah do? God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to tell them they're in big trouble. They're getting ready to be destroyed. And see, all of us would think, well, he just doesn't want to give anybody bad news, which was not true of Jonah. He actually wanted to give people bad news. Right? It wasn't true. Jonah actually wanted to give them bad news. Right? Yeah, in the end of the story, that's what we'll find out. So he jumps on a boat where he's not supposed to be, right? Did he get away from the presence of God? Nope. He did not. He jumped on a boat to get away from the presence of God. The presence of God was still there. They threw him in the water. Would he get away from the presence of God in the water? No. God provided a fish. God, God didn't. God didn't. Make a fish swallow him as a punishment. He provided a fish to save him. He would have drowned without the fish, right? He was in the middle of the ocean. It was drown or the fish. Right? People say, oh, you can't live in a fish's belly. They don't know God. There's no reason to argue with them. Why? They don't know God. They're trying, they're trying to put God in this. You know what? If you've ever seen one of these without a head on it, they're really ugly. And they don't know God. Your head don't know God. Your heart knows Him. And there's people that talk out of their head all the time, and their heart still knows God. People say, what? Yeah, there's people who talk out of their head, and their heart knows God. Now, whether or not they'll give their heart any time, I don't know. Well, that got quiet. It's just true. What? You never yielded to your flesh? Did you quit knowing God when you yielded to your flesh? No. You just yielded to your flesh. That meant your head overrode your heart. Right? (laughs) God's good. He's showing us good things. Jonah got thrown. God provided a fish. And so what did... what? Jonah knew God. This is what's interesting about Jonah. He knew the Lord. He knew the heart of the Lord. He knew, he, he knew Him forwards and backwards. You don't call out to God from the fish's belly when you're condemned and you're running from Him. You must know He's good or you wouldn't call on Him because you don't want what's getting ready to happen if He's not good. Right? If you're Jonah and you've been running and, and, he's, not, and he's a mean and wrathful God and you're in the fish's belly and, God, and, and you're going to say, Oh, God, come and be mean to me. No, he knew God. He knew God. And he said, he said in verse 2, chapter 2, he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. He knew God. He knew that God would save him. He knew that all he had to do is say, God, 
Save me. Help me. Right? He knew the presence of God was still there. Why cry out to something that's not there? Right? He knew God. How do I know he knew God? Well, he went on to Nineveh. Got out of the fish's belly. Said, God, you know what? I don't like being there with the fish's belly and what he eat the other day. And I don't like this. And I don't like uh, running from your presence. This really isn't good for me. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to go to Nineveh. And I'm going to tell them just what you said. You said, straighten up. No, you didn't even say straighten up. You said, your sins have come before me. I'm going to destroy you. Right? Is that the basic, Dave, Dave basic English of what he said he was going to do? Yeah. said, I'm going to destroy you. And the people of Nineveh repented. Oh, no. This is not what Jonah wanted. They repented. They said, God, forgive us. They, 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 they tore their clothes or whatever they did back then. And they put ashes on their head or whatever they did back then. And they said, God... We, we want you to change your mind. People say, oh, God doesn't change His mind. God is merciful. And then when you think He's been merciful, He's way more merciful than you ever think He's been. He is a merciful God. Amen? And no matter what had happened in Nineveh, and it must have been some pretty bad stuff for God to say, my wrath is coming on this whole city and there will no longer be a Nineveh. So it had to be pretty bad. You noticed any cities lately just being destroyed? Huh? So Nineveh was bad. And they repented and God forgave them. And He said, I'm not going to destroy you. Because you've repented, not going to destroy. Man, did Jonah sulk. Phew! Threw him a fit! What did he say? Verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly... He wasn't just displeased, he was greatly displeased. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, is this not what, what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was quick, so quick to flee to Tarshish. Tarshish? Why name your city that? <laughs> Tongue twister for a city. And then he, said, then, he says, then he says it with his own mouth. He said, I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God. That you were slow to anger and, that, and abounding in love and a God who relents from sending, sending calamity. He knew the heart of God. It made him mad because he didn't like the people. But he knew God. Amen? <laughs> it's still good to know God. But you're going to have to love people. Right? <laughs> Just think if he'd have loved people. Right? But see... Then you see the father's heart even after that. Noah or Jonah goes out, builds himself a shade, sits in the shade, sulking. Right? And he, and he wants to wait and see. He's, he's watching the city to see if they really do what they say. Right? You know what he's hoping? That they don't. Right? Why else would you sit up there and sulk and watch them? Right? He's sitting up there sulking and he's hoping they don't do what they said they'll do. And the father... Says, I'm going to teach him. I want to teach him more about me. So he grows a vine and something else to shade him. He already had shade, but God said, I want you in my shade. He grows a vine. And man, Jonah liked the vine. And it made him happy. Why? God's, God's petting me a little bit. 
Right? That's the Father. He wants to teach him something. And he send, he, it says he provided a vine. Just like he provided a fish, he provided a vine. And then he provided a worm to eat the vine. And this greatly displeased Jonah again. And God taught him. Why? Because he said, Jonah, I want you to know me. He said, I want you to know, not only am I a gracious and compassionate God, you can be like that. You can see things the way I see things. That's what he said. He said, he said, just because they've done all this, do they not deserve my mercy? He said, I want you to see people the way I see people. I want you to see them with value. I want you to see them for what I can do with them. I want you to see them because I made them. I created them. I love them. I want you to see them the way I see them. That's how you know me. The more you know God, the more you see what God sees. The more you, you, the more you can judge a situation the way He would judge it. Right? Glory to God. That's our God. Do we serve a good God or what? And this is the God we should desire. This is the God we should want to know. Man, do I have my notes in a mess. Glory to God. Let's go to this one then. This page looks good. What did... What, what was he trying to teach Jonah? His love. He didn't want to teach him that he knew that he had love. He wanted to teach him how to use that love. Amen? Amen? Yeah. And so what did... We'll go to Ephesians 3. 19. Let's look at it in the Amplified. What did Paul want us to know more than anything else? He said that you may really come to know practically. Not what practically. In other words, you know it. You, 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 you know it. You live in it. You use it. You are it. Practically. And through experience for yourself. The love of Christ what he wanted us to know about God is the love of God. He wanted us to know, he said, which far surpasses knowledge. In other words, he says, I want you to know something that surpasses what you can know. Why? You can't comprehend the love of God. You cannot comprehend it. And the minute you think you've comprehended it, it's bigger. Amen. And it'll do greater things. You can't comprehend it. And he said, I want you to comprehend the incomprehensible. Right? You can't comprehend it. Because the minute you comprehend it, there's more. How can you comprehend infinite? You can't. I mean, your mind cannot comprehend infinite. You mean when we get to the end, there's no end? Yeah, that's right. And you're saying, well, I comprehend that. No, you don't. When you get to the end, there's no end. There's nothing to comprehend. It's getting bigger. Right? He said that it far surpasses knowledge without experience that you may, that you may be filled through all your being, unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence. What, what do you have to have knowledge of to have the richest measure of divine presence? Love. What do you got to know about? The love of God. You want the richest measure of His divine presence? Get knowledge of His love. That's what, that's what God wanted Jonah to have. He wanted him to say, Lord, don't take him. 
Don't have wrath on them. Forgive them. That's what he wanted him to say. That's what he wanted him to see. That they can be fixed, Lord. There's no throwaways. There's no such thing as a throwaway. They can, they can be fixed, Lord. Glory to God. How many know in this world today, there's no such thing as a throwaway? God has no throwaways. I don't care where they've been. I don't care what they've done. I don't care if they've done two billion things that you don't like. They're still not a throwaway. He may not pick you to help them. They're not a throwaway. There's no throwaways. Thank God. Psalm 139. Verse 1. King James. Now let's look at it in the NIV, then I don't have to wonder if I'm reading it right. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. <laughs> you want to be known by God? You are. You know, people who don't think God knows what they're doing? Wrong. He knows everything you're doing, He knows everything you've done, He knows things about you you don't know. People say, No, He can't know me better than I know myself. Yeah, He can. He created you. He knows what you have ability to do if you choose not to do what you shouldn't do. And He believes you'll do it. Even when you don't believe you'll do it, He believes you will. He believes in us. He believed in us so much that He invested everything He had in us. That's how much God believes in us. He invested Jesus Christ to gain us. And He believes in us more than we'll ever believe in ourselves. And what He's asking us to do is believe in us with His belief. Believe what He believes about us, not believe what you believe about us. Right? Search me, and you know me. Verse 2. We're going to go through several verses here. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You know what I'm thinking. <laughs> Guess that does away with all that silence. I'm just going to think it so nobody knows. <laughs> God knows. God knows. God knows you. Why not know Him back? Hmm? Why not acknowledge that He knows your thoughts and begin to line your thoughts up with His? Why don't you think about yourself what He thinks about you? Huh? Because He knows the thoughts He thinks towards you. Thoughts to prosper you, not to harm you. Hmm? To give you hope and a future. That's our God. Verse 3. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. <laughs> How many are so glad you have a God that knows everything about you? Yes. You know, everybody says, oh, I'm an awful person. No, He knows the good things in you. Yes. He knows what you could have done if you didn't do the awful things. Amen. We are all awful people without God. Right. A person without God is an awful person. Right. They say, well, they, what if they do good things? It doesn't matter. They do them for the wrong reason. If you do good things for not God's reasons, it's an awful thing. It doesn't matter. Without God, we're awful. <laughs> Aren't you glad we're not without God? <laughs> Verse 4. 
Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. He knows what you're getting ready to say. Won't it be good when we just say what He says? Verse 5. You hem me in behind and before me. How many want to be hemmed in by God? Put me in that hymn, alright? I think I can live in that hymn. Yeah. Sew me in there, God. Sew me in. Sew me right in your cuff and I'll stay there all you want. And you've laid your hand upon me. How many of you know God's got His hand on you? Every moment of every day, He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He'll in no wise cast you out. He'll be there no matter what you decide. He'll be there. He's a good Father. He's a good Father. Verse 6, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to know. What? You'll hem me in. He's talking about everything that God knows about him. He's saying, God... Everything that I can't comprehend how good you are in my life. I cannot comprehend your goodness in my life. It's just too lofty for me to attain. Verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Actually, Jonah said this. (laughs) In one part, he said something very similar to this. He said, where can I flee from your presence? Verse 8. If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. What's he saying? God, you're big. You're everywhere. I'm, I'm not getting away from you. If my head thinks I'm getting away from you, it's wrong. Where could I go that you wouldn't be? Verse 9, If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, verse 10, even there your hand will guide me. What's he saying? You're with me, God. I trust you. I trust You, Lord. Even there, Your hand will guide me. Your right hand. Where's, what's at His right hand? Pleasures. Pleasures. Your right hand will hold me fast. Um, I'll tell you what, we can read this psalm every day and say, that's me. That's me. I'm the one who's His right hand's holding fast. I'm the one who He's got His hand on. Verse 11. If I say, surely darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. How many know darkness ain't nothing to God? If God steps into darkness, darkness is gone. That's it. Right? You ain't ain't hiding from God because He's pure light. Right? Verse, Verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me, saw my unformed body. God knew you before you were in your body. He saw the body you were going to be in. Before it got formed. How big is God? Huh? All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them happened. (laughs) Now, Now, how important is it to be in the presence of God? Because He's got a book. 
that's written for everything that you're supposed to do. Every, every day, He already wrote the book on you. In other words, somebody says, I know the book on them. You don't, but God does. Why? Because He wrote it for you before you lived one of them. People say, well, maybe I was just made to be in sin. Maybe. No! He didn't write any horror stories. All His stories are love stories. Every one of them are good stories with good plans. And every one of them end good. They all end and they lived happily ever after. He wrote them in the book before I even lived one of them. Verse verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. How precious to me. That's somebody who knows God and wants to know Him more. He's not saying, how precious are the thoughts you've already thought. He's saying, I want to hear more. I want to hear more. They're vast and the sum of them is great. But I know you and I trust you. And it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. It doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter what kind of cares have tried to place themselves on me. I can cast them on you. Because I can trust you. Because I know the thoughts you have towards me. I know what you're thinking about me. You wrote a book about me. And in that book, everything that happened, I overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I overcame through Jesus Christ. I have victory. The the book was written and, and, and I can't lose. And I don't have to be worried. I don't have to be sick. I don't have to be tired. I don't have to go through life wondering if I'm going to make it. I already made it. The book has already been written on Dave, and Dave's going to make it. Because I'm going to get in the book and find out what the book says. I want the presence of God, not the cares of this world. How do you get them? The humble get the grace. The proud get resisted. Why did, why did Moses get to, get, get to know God? He didn't want to know Him because he wanted to say, I know God. Just so you know, Moses knows God. <laughs> you know God? I don't think so. I know God. No, he wanted to know God because he wanted to know why God did what God did. And he wanted to do it for that reason. There's a reason to know God's heart. There's a reason to know God's plan. It's so that you can do what God wants done. It's so you can do it the way God would do it. Because God's plan's perfect. And He knows what you'll do, what you're capable of. He built you. You think He knows how many speeds you got? And He knows how much you can do? If, you, if you're sitting there saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'll never make it. God's saying, yes, you can. I built you. I know what you can do. Not only can you do that, you can do more. And I've got a plan. And we're going to put you in about fifth gear. And we're going to run you up as high as we can run you. And we're going to get you there as fast as we can get you there. And you're going to live life to the full. 
until it overflows. And these cares and these, these things that are choking you out, these things that are keeping you down, this, this, uh, this trouble in your marriage, these troubles with your kids, these troubles with your finances, this health problem, it doesn't matter. It's a care that's not yours. And if we cast all our care on Him, why would we do that? Because He cares for you. Why? You know His love. People who don't know His love keep their cares. Why? I don't know what He'll do. I gotta, I gotta worry about this a while. I gotta be a good, responsible person and worry. Right? No, let's all be too stupid to worry. Okay? How many want to be too stupid to worry? It's a good thing. Be as stupid as you want when it comes to worry. It's okay. Right? It's not, worry, it doesn't help. How many, (laughs) Jesus said this. You know, you can't add a cubit to your stature by worry. Right? But what was he really saying? He's saying, at the end of that, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. In other words, know more about me. And you won't worry. What's he saying? Know me. Know my heart. Because if you'll know my heart, you'll know what I have planned for you, and you'll know what I have planned to do. And I'll take you, and I'll use you. You're not going anywhere before your time. Hmm. Who did I say that to? Somebody better listen. You're not going anywhere before your time. Huh? Somebody planning on checking out? Ah! Wrong answer. God already wrote the book on you. Now we truly know who wrote the book of love. Amen? Cast all your care, all your care on Him, because He cares for you. What's it say at the first that verse? Where is it? First Peter? Go to First Peter. Whew. Must not have needed all these verses. I didn't use them all. First Peter. In 5 it says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You ever notice that God always gives you the answer to the test after that? <laughs> he never just stops and says, figure it out now. He says, let me give you the answer. Humble yourselves, therefore. Why? Because He wants to give you grace. He's not trying to hide grace from you. He's saying, humble yourself. Make, make the realization in your mind that you require me. And not only do you require me, you want me. That's what God's saying. People saying, you got way too many people saying, I require God to get through every day. No, you want God to get through every day. Your breaths are better when you take them through God. Amen? He's giving them to you anyway. You might as well be thanking Him for them. Amen? You need to desire God. You don't want to require God. Desire God. Amen? Desire God. And when you desire God, you humble yourself and you say, I want more. I'll take more. You know, you'll be like like Oliver Twist. 
May I have more gruel, sir? No, you'll be up there. You'll come boldly before the throne of God and you'll say, can I have more? And you'll say, didn't you have enough? And you'll say, yeah, but I want more than enough. And you'll say, that's the kind of God I am. Here you go. Because that's what He gives is more than enough. Cast all your cares upon the Lord. I don't know what your care is tonight. I don't know what you came in here carrying. You may be carrying your kids. You may be carrying your bills. You may be carrying you may be carrying condemnation from sin that you had years and years ago. You may be carrying a lie from the devil that that you you have a preference that's not of God. You may be carrying a lie from the devil that you can't make it, that you have to have this, that you have to have that. I don't know what you're carrying. But it's a care. And you don't got to carry it no more. And if you'll humble yourself and realize what, what Moses realized. He said, let me know you. What could have Moses done? He could have said, look at this people. You mean I'm going to take care of them? How am I going to take care of them? I can't take care of them. He said, no, he didn't do that. He said, let me know your ways. That pleased God. Why? That's humility. He said, I know I can do it with you. Amen? Amen? He was the meekest man in all the earth. Guess that's pretty meek. Glory to God. If we cast our cares, if we take those things that are holding us back from, his, from, from the fullness of His presence, that, that are keeping us back from believing in His love, that are holding us back from receiving from His love, if we'll, if we'll throw those things off, if we'll cast all those things off, We'll know His love. And He'll change us from the inside out. And He'll change people from your inside out. Glory to God. Glory to God. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet.